And so we had the Passover and we did the whole Seder demonstration, you know, Jesus in the Passover from Jews for Jesus and all of that. And the leader uh, did a marvelous job. And then at the end, we pulled out sausage lasagna for dinner. Oh, no. And, and Jody, this is the most amazing thing. We did not keep the Torah fully for years because of that one incident. Walk Like a Hebrew. I'm your host, Jody O'Dell. This is episode seven, part one of an interview with Ron and Pam Custer of Northern California. Walk Like a Hebrew is entirely listener supported. So if you like what you hear and you'd like to hear more, please consider making a donation by visiting sheholdsforth.com and clicking the donate button. That's S-H-E-H-O-L-D-S-F-O-R-T-H.com. Michael and I consider the Custers to be among our very best friends in the world, and we thank Yahovah for them literally every day. Their story is wonderful and full of surprises, and I hope you enjoy listening as much as I enjoyed our conversation. Welcome to the podcast. I'm here with Ron and Pam Custer of Cedar Ridge, California, and these guys are actually our very best friends in the whole world. Thank you for being willing to be interviewed, and thank you for being our friends. So just for the sake of the listener, can you um, just tell us a little about yourself? Well, I'm Ron Custer. I've, I've lived in the Grass Valley area most of my life. We we were away for a little while, but we're back now. And um, we have five children and 17 grandchildren, two great-grandchildren. Wow. And uh, we're trying to stay busy doing things with them and, and around them. And sometimes it works and sometimes it's a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But we love them. <laughs> and uh, Pam and I have been married uh, 37 years. We've had some, some rough times, as all married couples do. But uh, we've put up with each other, thank God. <laughs> thank God. <laughs> thank God. And uh, he has changed our lives completely, more than once, but uh, <laughs> especially from uh, the way we were when we first got together. And that's our biggest story. A lot of people look at who they know us now and knew us then and, and shake their heads and walk off because <laughs> we are completely different people than we were 37 years ago. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> And we have the Father to thank for that because uh, he has brought challenges to us and walked us through all of those challenges, and we have come out triumphant in him. We wouldn't be anywhere where we are now if it wasn't for him guiding us over and over and over again and having his loving hand upon us. Yeah, it's just amazing. <laughs> My take on that is if it wasn't for the Lord, we would have split up before we ever got married. So um, we were very uh, interesting people at the time. Ron's background is in the Jehovah's Witness. And my background is uh, <laughs> I grew up as a Baptist and then morphed into a, a New Age Baptist, which most people have no clue that's even possible. Right. <laughs> but um but during the 60s, it was really uh, morphing Christianity in with Eastern religion mm -hmm. and then uh, ultimately into, you know, mysticism, which we still suffer from today in the church. Yeah. Um, 
that was my background when we met. Now, um, since <laughs> since then, once we met, we had a wonderful teacher who was a missionary Baptist, and we were we were very rough people at the time, um, <laughs> to say the least. Yes, I understand. And, I've been accused of such myself. <laughs> yeah, and, and when we uh, when we finally when we finally came to the Lord, it didn't make us not rough people. It just made us willing to to follow God, whatever that was. Right. And we really didn't know what that was. No, we didn't. Now we we were introduced to this minister through my oldest son, who has been the delight of my life through tribulations that are just unimaginable. It's because of him that we are walking the way we're walking today. So or even got involved with the Lord, period. We'd pretty much walked away from the Lord thinking that the you know the church was weird and we knew better and on off we went. So <laughs> never a good thing. Oh no. No. <laughs> Since that time, um we've gone through uh, we went from Baptist to Assemblies of God and then from Assemblies of God to Hyper Charismatic. And then in the middle of our hypercharismatic, we found the Messianics. And then the Messianics were um, 30 years ago, they were pretty spread out people with not a lot of cohesiveness. Mm-hmm. And so at least the church had some cohesion to it. And so we studied with the Messianic congregation down in Sacramento for a couple of years. And then we ended up at... Uh, a place called Ben Israel in Minnesota. In Minnesota, because we were um, we were ministers at the time, right? And uh, and we lived in a bus, and we had a ministry of helps, and we would go to different ministries that didn't have a lot of money, but they were good ministries, and they needed things repaired or buildings built or you know different kinds of things like that. And Ron and I both have the skills to do that, or had the skills to do that. We're old now, and so. Um, <laughs> So we traveled a lot, and we ended up at Ben Israel, where we were introduced to a very strange character called Art Katz. I don't know how he would have described his theology. He was a charismatic, prophetic Calvinist. Yeah. Sorry, a charismatic, prophetic Calvinist. Yes. Yes. And and those aren't oxymoron? That's not an oxymoron? I mean, he was serious? Not in him. Not in him, it wasn't. (laughs) Wow. That. He was very well, very well balanced in. in I don't know his, about balanced. Is well, word. <laughs> he he was able to accentuate each one of his gifts as needed. Oh. Yeah, he was a uh, an extremely enlightening person to be around. <laughs> yes. He really was. He made me look at at life completely different than I had up to that point. I would have loved to have known him. Oh, he was. A jewel. One of a kind, but uh, a wonderful man. A man who cried God's heart. He cried through the Holy Spirit. He was a man who cried a lot. Yeah. And um, most people never saw that part of him. But we spent six months at Ben Israel, and it was through a really terrible time. They'd had a horrible storm that had knocked down thousands of trees on their 160 acres and just, and had uh, destroyed some of the buildings. And we were there when it happened, and we stayed extra long so that we could help repair it. But Art had an odd conglomeration of gifts. He definitely did hear from the Lord. He was a passionate man. Um, Calvinism made him very strong in his faith. Uh-huh. 
and the charismatic side of him made him extremely prophetic. Uh, he really did have a prophetic ministry. Mm-hmm. And his uh, prophecies are yet to be fulfilled. He was one who believed that Israel was going to go through another Holocaust. Oh, wow. And um, and he was obviously not very popular because at that time, people were, you know, running off to Israel and singing and dancing and, and enjoying themselves. Kibbutzing. And his ministry was to go and to talk to these people and and cry out to them, literally, that they needed to repent yeah. of their silliness and and really start taking God seriously and bringing God back to the land, not just the people. Right. And if they didn't do that, then he, then the Lord was going to bring on another Holocaust. And we still believe that. Wow. Um, it wasn't a popular, it was not a popular view at the time, but it was something that the Father had already put in my heart. And so I was crying out for revival when we met him. So his teachings really rang true with what the Father was talking to me about. Yes. Um, and then I can't, I really can't explain art. He. <laughs> There's no explaining art. Art was, uh, he was the only one in Israel going to the churches and the Jews. He was even going to the synagogues and, and telling them that God was going to, going to bring this Holocaust. Wow. Um, we found out a few years after we came back home that there was one other prophet, one other prophetic man going through the land at the same time. They didn't know each other, and they didn't know of each other. And I can't remember the gentleman's name at this I, time. I was trying to think of But he was, he was Jewish. He was not Messianic. Wow. And so there was a Jew and a pseudo-Gentile <laughs> proclaiming the same thing in the land, not wow. even knowing each other and not even knowing that the message was the same message. Oh, my gosh. So we're, we keep a close eye on Israel because we know that they have to repent. Yes. And we know that revival requires repentance, and repentance generally only comes through suffering. Yeah. From there, we left there, and we met some people. The father had already told us that we were going to be in Nevada. So we were already Nevada residents, having never lived there. And we met some folks at Ben Israel during their prophetic conference that year who were from Gardnerville, Nevada, which was where our address was. So interesting. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> Very interesting. Art kept telling us, you know, you have, you have to, know to know the people. It's, it's a small town. You have to you know. You have them. to know them. And, our, and we kept saying, well, we've never lived there. It's we really don't live there. Yeah. <laughs> Because when you live in a when you live in a bus, you have to have an address. Yes. And so Nevada was a very friendly RV friendly state right. at the time. So people could get an address there even if they didn't live there. Right. right. Well, we didn't live anywhere. Right. We lived in a bus, <laughs> and buses were, have wheels, and so we were at different places all the time. Um, we ended up at a place called City of Refuge, which was a home for unwed pregnant women women who had become pregnant and did not want an abortion and lost their homes, right. which is very, very common. Yeah. Um, when a young woman, especially a teenager, especially a teenager in a conservative home, yeah. when they become pregnant, they're given the choice of abortion or leaving. And it's a very common thing. So oh. this building, this place was being built for women like that. 
And we uh, ended up there, and they started out being very charismatic and ended up being Calvinistic. (laughs) (laughs) So we spent seven years there, and in that seven years, we ended up in an extremely Calvinistic, what would you call it, Baptist. Reformed Baptist. Reformed Baptist church. church. And my issue with the Messianics was that there was no doc. They didn't teach any doctrine. They taught all these fun things. But we weren't learning anything substantial, and so I wanted to learn more about the doctrines. Right. Well, we ended up in the right place because this man <laughs> who um, <laughs> who ended up being a pastor really never wanted to be a pastor to begin with. He always wanted to be a professor, and so he was in. He had gone through uh, Westminster Seminary and several other places. Yeah, Viola. And he was going to be a, a professor of theology. Yes. Yes. That was his goal. And when he graduated, before he got his degree, his doctorate, the Lord started speaking to him about becoming a pastor. And, and he was just laughing. He said, I just laughed because I knew as soon as I went home and told my wife about this, she would just burst into tears laughing. And so he went home and told his wife about it. And she said, you know, the Lord's been talking to me about that the same thing. Oh, no. <laughs> So he was actually pretty disappointed because he didn't feel like he was pastor material. Right. And uh, and the Lord was going to change that is, is how it turned out. So what happened was we ended up in this church for seven years. And because he wanted to be a professor, he turned his church into a little mini seminary. Oh, my yeah. gosh. That's amazing. <laughs> and so I would have loved that. Oh, I know you. Oh, yeah. oh Jody, you would have thrived there. <laughs> yes. Anyway, um, so we have a seven-year background in theology, wow. Calvinistic theology, church history. Church mm-hmm. father history. So the, after the third century. Right. Right. After the third century history, which was really interesting because in our messianic endeavors, we had gone from the first century to the third century. Okay. And so that was one of the things that we did learn was about the church fathers. We didn't realize that that's what they were called because that's not what they were calling them. Mm-hmm. But during this time of uh, learning systematic theology, we encountered these wonderful collection of books uh, from the early church fathers. And, of course, everybody that we talked to about them was saying, oh, you don't have to worry about that. That was just messy. We don't we don't even know what to think of that. And so, but that's what we had studied before. Yes. So we started out with first through third century teaching, and then we ended up with third century to the present day. And, and so that's our theological background. Right. Well, the kind of the highlights of that, when the father first started calling us into this path that we're on now yeah I what, can't, do we, what do we call it <laughs> i don't there, there's really no name for our right. our portion of it but we started in the early 90s in 1993 when he really started talking to us about reading the bible not just listening to what men were saying but actually studying and reading the bible and as he had somehow preordained it we had a business that we sold, and so we didn't have to do any work for about two years. Wow. And we had an income, and we spent 18 months of that time at a church in the Sacramento area in their back parking lot, maintaining the, the building and, and the grounds and spending every day in God's Word. 
and a friend of ours had given us a little computer program and uh, with just a bunch of cross-references, and we would just study and, and try to ferret the truth out to the best of our ability, and we thought we were absolutely the weirdest thing that had hit the planet Earth because no one else felt the same way we did or even thought the same way we did. And then we came across this Messianic church in Sacramento that was just starting out. So we felt a little assurance that we weren't absolutely the only people like us out there. But there was very few people that uh, the Father was calling at the time for this movement, whatever it's called. Right. We were Sabbath keepers. We had been Sabbath keepers because we, we read in God's Word that the Sabbath, everything in the New Testament was about the Sabbath. There was absolutely nothing in there about Sunday. And so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so we, our first step was we started keeping the Sabbath. We just we looked at each other and said, we have to actually do this because there's nothing in here that says that we're not supposed to. Right. There's everything in here that says this is what Jesus did. So our first Sabbath, I love to explain our first Sabbath. We were absolutely pitiful. We didn't know anything about keeping Sabbath. We knew that we were not Jews, and we knew that we were not Seventh-day Adventists, so we didn't belong there. Right. And and since God was leading us, we just thought, well, we'll just, what we knew is you don't work. Right. So we stopped working. <laughs> I We didn't know anything about Friday night or anything. We just, we woke up Saturday morning and sat on the couch and looked at each other and, and said, okay, here we are. <laughs> And that was the beginning for us, and that was way before we met these Hebrew, yeah. these Messianic people, well, well, the year before. While this was going on, while we started keeping the Sabbath, part of it was because we came home from a Sunday church, and there was a pamphlet on our windshield about the Sabbath being correct, and I sat down and tried to prove this little pamphlet wrong and found out that it wasn't wrong. Yes. <laughs> and uh, we started a pitiful attempt at keeping the Sabbath. And then while we were serving at a this small church in, in Sacramento, we would sit there and keep Sabbath and then be there for the Sunday services. And yeah. there was a lot of tension that was building up over that. Well, Ron had been, Ron had been appointed associate pastor by that time. Oh, my. <laughs> yes. So, oh, no. Yeah. It was, it was an oh-no situation for sure. It was a real conflict of conscience and what's right and what you should be doing. And um, We had very little discernment. <laughs> yeah, that's something that develops probably pretty yes. late in life, I think. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah. There are some things you can't learn unless you just rack up a number of years. Yeah. And that's why an elder should be old, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Art was adamant about that. Elders should have gray hair. Not prematurely gray hair. Not prematurely gray hair. Well-earned gray hair, yes. So it was from that little church that we threw a, and this is just the the path of our life, through a um, March for Life. So here we are back with the pro-choice people. The March for Life in Sacramento that year, we went down and there was the Messianic group that we started with was marching down the street with their little, you know, their big banner. And, and I told Ron, you got to go get that man's card. We need to go find out about this yeah. because that looks really interesting. And, and so from there, we started, uh, we realized that we needed to keep this, the feasts as well. Uh-huh. But um, it was not, they were not uh, Torah keeping. 
at the, huh. at that time. They were Torah studying. They were Torah studying, but they were not Torah, Torah keeping. keeping. Okay. They were keeping the Sabbath and they were keeping the festivals. Um, but just to illustrate where we were at in that little congregation, it was a wonderful congregation. We will always love that congregation. We had a uh, Passover, and okay. and it was one of the big demonstration Passovers because the congregation was growing pretty good, uh-huh. and everybody liked the dancing. So, <laughs> so we we were a really active, lively congregation, and um, and so we had the Passover, and we did the whole Seder demonstration, you know, Jesus in the Passover from Jews for Jesus, and all of that. And the leader uh, did a marvelous job, and then at the end, we pulled out sausage lasagna for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> and, and oh no! And, and Jody, this is the most amazing thing. We did not keep the Torah fully for years because of that one incident. Oh wow! I went up to the leader and I said, "Isn't this pork?" And he looked at me and smiled and just went, "Oh, that's the Old Testament." Oh my gosh! And I just thought, well, this man knows more than I do. You know, so we didn't question it for a very long time. And, of course, we went from there to Ben Israel, and Ben Israel was not kosher at all. Um, We were looking into it. We were looking into the different parts of the law. But, you know, nobody that we knew was actually keeping kosher. Right. So it was years later, and that was the final, you know, nail for us, is that um, somebody said something about I was serving something, and I made two, two dishes, uh, one with bacon and one without. Mm-hmm. because I really didn't like the bacon anymore, and I knew that the people that were coming uh, wouldn't eat it. And so um, when we went to have our meal, my friend, Dot Olson, looked at Ron and said, well, why are you still eating bacon? And he said, because I like it. And she <laughs> said, so what? <laughs> Ah, oh, that's amazing. <laughs> and that was the dividing point. I mean, it was just a few words that kept us from keeping the Torah and those few words that knocked us back into it. Yes. We really have to be careful what we say. Tune in next time for part two of an interview with Ron and Pam Custer. Thank you for listening to Walk Like a Hebrew. Remember to visit sheholdsforth.com where you can find more shareable links to the podcast episodes, a donate link, and more. Many thanks to Jack Lane of Folsom, California for the music. His CD can be found at jackmlane.com. May Yahovah bless you. We'll catch you next time.